wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the two of us. Of us. You and I. Welcome back to another Ag Watchers podcast. Uh, we've been putting out a few now. We're back on the track again with uh, after all the uh, you know administration hassles we've had to get set up. We're all set up now, Andrew, and we're back to pumping out a few podcasts. But this one's just you and I uh, just doing the two just of the two us. of us. We can make it if we try. Uh, so just us having a quick update, yeah, and and maybe a little bit of. Um, information around one of the, your new developments that you've you know, been... Yeah, a bit, 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 bit of market updates and whatnot. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting week again on the green market. We saw a pretty big move on Monday. Market went absolutely bananas. Uh, wheat market up. Lim- up, up, right, up. Yep. Limit, limit up. Uh, so for about 40 Aussie dollars a ton uh, for, for Seabot futures, uh, which was big welcome sort of move and then since then it has given away plus extra uh, it's back down below pre-Monday levels Look, and the big thing was again it comes back to old mate Putin uh, you know we spoke to Elena on Monday as well when those uh, missiles were getting rained down upon Ukraine and that just put a bit of uncertainty in the in the marketplace in terms of well, what's going to happen with exports from Ukraine and anything that happens there and escalations is going to drive the market up. It's just but, that, uncertain, that uncertainty factor, right? No one knows what he's planning to do next. Well, I don't think he even knows what he's planning to do next. That's the problem. Mm. And that mm. was in retaliation to that bridge bridge attack. Yeah. Um, but again, I think the, 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 key, the next key thing will be, uh, we spoke a bit, a bit with Elena, is, is whether that uh, export corridor continues. Uh, I don't think it necessarily will. Not in the current form, at least, but we shall see over the next month and a half. Even with the corridor, though, it hasn't, like, if you look to see what they would normally be putting out in normal circumstances, that corridor has been helpful, but it's not been, you know, you're not seeing the same levels you'd normally see in a, in standard operating, right? No, nah, it's not It's not the same volumes by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's definitely more than without it, mm. but it's not back to normal, normal levels. So I think... We're just going to be in a, in a in a volatile environment, and I, I think I was talking to somebody yesterday. And this is not advice by any stretch of imagination. The next sort of phase that I see is is May onwards, uh, as, mm. as the big one is. If we're seeing reduced acreages in in Ukraine, um, and potentially Russia is what we're sort of hearing, but it's too early to say on that and to trust the information coming out of there. Then does it mean that you know as we come to plant our crop? that we start to see a world that's having that little bit less production mm. and, and less access. So I think... Well, it's not it's not just what's not mm. potentially going to be planted in Ukraine and in Russia, but it's also what's going to be limited elsewhere because of the high cost of fertiliser. And that's the next point. Good mm. good, good segue, good Hoiberg tangent there. And uh, look, I think that's, that's the important thing as well, is if you look at those input costs around the world, it's going to be high. There's no denying that fertilizer, it could come down, but it's not going to come down to levels that we're used to previously to this current 
rally that we've seen over the last 12 months, 12 to 18 months, uh, just with what's happening in, in Ukraine. But we are starting to see demand destruction on fertilizer. You know, a lot of buyers in Southeast Asia and Asia in general are pulling back what they're going to be putting in, which again has has an impact on on yield. And we haven't really gone through, if we look back in historical fertilizer prices, yeah, we've had some big peaks, yeah, but they haven't lasted long. It's been mm. peak and then crash. This is staying higher for longer. And I think that's where the issue is. You know, that's when we actually start to see demand destruction and then a corresponding yield impact. Mm. But going on to that, we, you know, we don't, we, we don't really talk about our day-to-day work mm-hmm. on this podcast, but we did release that, um, the fertilizer census. Uh, the, and it's probably worthwhile explaining what the point of that is and what the point mm-hmm. of transparency in a marketplace is. Uh, but the reality is we, we can't get access to uh, fertilizer pricing in Australia, not for want of trying. And so the second best option is, uh, well, we do the CFR model. So the, the cost of landing fertilizer within Australia. And now we get, I guess, our listeners and our growers around the country to input into a, a very simple form. What is the price that they've been quoted on what particular date for fertilizer? And uh, it starts to give us a bit of visibility on what the price of fertilizer is within Australia. Mm. Um, and so I'd imagine most of the people that listen to AgWatch's podcast probably are familiar with the website. That's the episode three website. But if those that there's a, a few that aren't and they want to participate in the survey, they jump onto www.episode3.net and there's an article there that you can yeah. link then, through and, and, and look, do the census. And look, we're, we're encouraging as many people to fill it in as possible. The reason being is that it's all about transparency. Mm. And uh, at the moment, there's an asymmetry of information where some people get information, some people don't. What we want to do, or what I want to do, is just level the playing field. So we can start to say, well, fertilizer price in Australia is X, and how does that compare to elsewhere? Mm. The, the, the price of fertilizer in South Australia is X, how does that compare to Western Australia? And we can start to actually sort of, the more more that goes into it, the more people that put their, their quotes into it, the more we can do and the more we can uh, add an element of transparency to market. And, and provide information back and, and then give and, a bit more, I guess, market power back to the to the buyer. Yeah, and it's something that hasn't been done. Hmm. It, there was recommendations in the 2008 parliamentary inquiry into fertilizer prices that there should be more transparency, but nothing changed. Hmm. And one of the recommendations was a CFR model. Nobody introduced it but us. And so now this is a, the, the next stage of that. And look, the end result, hopefully, is that they just become, the industry changes to just provide pricing. Mm. Same as the grains industry. Mm. Um, look, it's not popular with some people. Uh, I've got a, a, f- a few phone calls telling me off. <laughs> but... <laughs> That usually tells me it's the right thing. Yeah, that's it. So, so yeah, that's what, that's why we're doing it. And the uh, livestock. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, in terms of a quick update, it's yeah. uh, it's all about it's all about the rain. It's so wet. Um, I, I read I read I read somewhere on some market updates last week that uh, it can, you can explain this logic to me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, can you tell me why the rain makes the rain this week is going to make the um, 
make the sheep market roar and the cattle market fall. Aren't they, aren't, aren't they following the, don't, don't they just, are they not supposed to follow the same sort of logic? You know, when, yeah. it, when it rains, price roars, uh, but then also extreme rain to dampen the cattle market this week. Yeah, um, I think some of the issues around the rain and being able to get access in, you know, for, for abattoirs to buy and, and, and move stock and stuff that, and even just getting, you know, stock to sell yards and moving around the paddock, that's that's problematic. So that can sometimes have, that can work both ways, I guess. You can have, reduces, you know. Reduces supply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or alternatively, if it's, you know, the processes that can't, you know, there was a time when it was flooding in Queensland and New South Wales where, processors couldn't get stock in either so they stopped buying for a week and then obviously the price fell because they weren't buying so it can go both ways there um i mean as a as a general rule i would i would say you know the the longer term kind of impact of rain is that you end up with higher pricing um but yeah you can have these little hiccups it was a curious one though that in the one week you had one two different one one, one day (laughs) within one day one hour Make your mind up. Make your mind up. Talk to yourselves, guys. <laughs> my general feeling, you know, and you can get these short-term disruptions that can cause price drops during rainfall, but my general feeling is rainfall eventually leads to pasture growth and that, and as we're heading into the warmer weather eventually, um, we're going to see a lot of that. So, yeah, I think I think generally we're going to see the prospect of, of higher pricing with this, but... The, the other side of it, which probably wasn't addressed in their articles, was with regards to lamb, at least, we're coming into that spring flush in Victoria, so that's going to act as a counterweight to the to the rainfall, you know, with these lambs coming forward and lack of ability to process with, uh, with you know, workforce problems and capacity constraints. We spoke about that with uh, Patrick Hutchinson not long ago. What about, what, pod- what about, what about Western Australia, then? Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a combination of those issues, plus the fact that LiveX is still... You know, haven't hasn't recovered yet from the moratorium. We had a September where there were no boats going out in West Australia. Um, and if you look at the West Australian pricing for lamb and mutton uh, sheep, they're they're very uh, depressed compared to the eastern states. A lot of West Australian farmers are complaining, but part of that is the the abattoirs in W abattoirs in WA are, are having the same struggles with labour and capacity and with no livex to speak of. Um, there's no other real buyers for these animals, so. You know, the prices suffered despite some economists um, being engaged by Animals Australia to say that there's no impact to pricing for LiveX. So clearly there is a price uh, a price drop when LiveX isn't there or when or when the processes aren't in a position to um, to process quickly enough. Uh, and so that's the thing. We, we need to support the processes to be able to allow them to do their job properly. And that means, you know, the right kind of programs to get the skilled staff in. Um, so it's, but it's probably staffing plus... Planning permission for new new abattoirs. Yeah, anything. Yeah, correct. Anything like that. Yeah, I know that there's um, you know, there's only a limited number in WA, and that's part of the issue. You know, that they've they've got. If you compare the number of abattoirs east to west, there's much many more options for the for the producer here in the eastern states uh, compared to in the west. So you know, that's part of the problem as well. Um, but yeah, more more um, more planning uh, help to get. You know, more abattoirs there, but then you've got to still staff those abattoirs, even though you, it's not just a case of building them. Um, you've got you, to have the staff you, there. You build them, and they will come. Mm. Yeah, it's but it's it is it is a serious issue that we need to get right now because we are, you know, like I started talking about the rainfall. The rainfall is leading to the growth of the herd and the flock, and we're going to have in the next few years higher numbers being turned off again. Um, we need to make sure we've got the supply chain that can 
that can handle it. Well, that's a challenge for somebody above our pay grade. Mm. The other one is, is your old your old bloody uh, expertise. Oh, currency. Yeah. Been a while, yeah. So that well, that, that's actually with the particularly cattle pricing. But we've had a number of years now, almost two years to the date, where our heavy steer price was higher than in the US, which is pretty uncharacteristic. And in fact, through twenty twenty one, the average price premium was about fifteen percent above the US pricing. Which you know, if you consider the normal discounts about thirty percent is where we usually sit, and being fifteen percent above, that's a massive difference. And just this last um, few months, we've seen the price kind of correct a bit. Um, part of it's been um, the Aussie dollar coming off over eleven percent since July. Um, what well, it's gone from seventy-one cents down to sixty-two cents or something. Um, so that's a uh, that's been able to make our beef exports and our product in a, you know much cheaper in US dollar terms and. So we're now back to a discount. Uh, we're, we're cheaper than the US by about 7% presently. And that's mainly because of the Aussie dollar? Uh, a lot of it's the Aussie dollar, yeah. Yeah, because the if you look at the initial sell-off in pricing we saw in July because of concerns around foot and mouth disease, that, that saw the discount kind of appear straight away, but then the price recovered after a couple of weeks back to where that, where it was prior, but then the Aussie dollar started to depreciate aggressively. And so that then, that then pushed it back to a discount. So there's probably two reasons why we've seen it at a discount initially price and then second Aussie dollar. Yeah. And that's going to be the interesting thing with the Aussie dollar. It's going to be good for exports, but imports are going to be expensive. Yeah, exactly. Machinery, fuel, uh, fertilizer, all Chemicals. going to be expensive. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for the industry to think about. I'm glad we've been talking about inputs for a long time though. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah. That's pretty much it then, isn't it? I think so. I think that's it. Oh, the, um, the rain. Waiting for the rain to stop now. That'll be the next thing for for grains is what the quality's like. And you can't imagine the quality's going to be particularly high quality, high protein levels uh, this year, especially in New South Wales, Victoria. And that's where we're going to start to see those spreads widen, you know, higher highs and lower lows when it comes to the discounts and premiums for protein. So doesn't seem like it's going to stop like the weather forecast for the next eight days is like victoria for most part 50 to 100 mils yeah it's got, I've got has, has been raining all night here where i am near ballarat and the the ground outside is wet everywhere um i've just had about four or five flood warnings coming through just as we've been doing this podcast by the cfa app so yeah it's obviously a lot of the um a lot of the catchments are full and spilling out into the creeks and waterways, so they're all at you know at high levels, if not already overflowing. It's just going to be moist. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but um, like I say, you'd rather have the rain than the dry, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, you'd rather wait until after harvest. But you can't get everything you want. Mm. You know, can like. Mm-hmm. This so, is yeah. true. This is true. All right, oh. Let's leave it there. All right. See you when you got nothing on. Toodaloo.